welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It, episode 95. My name is Charlene Schmidt, and with me, as always, is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan Riddell. I want to start the show with a little bit of listener feedback, because I love it when we get emails and messages on Twitter and whatnot, and I just want to give a shout-out to a long, long-time listener, Andrew Swearingen, who sent us a message this week with the greeting of... Hello, Team Lizard Babies. Okay, right then and there, <laughs> yeah. you have my attention. <laughs> and just to kind of paraphrase what he wrote, he just said, Hey, I want to let you guys know that we've I've really enjoyed the most recent run of shows with the what-ifs and tying up loose ends. And he liked our episode on Lieutenant Reed, so yay, that's awesome. And he said he wants more of this. I want more loose ends. And he has some suggestions like, what happened with Dr. Salar? That's a great freaking idea, by the way. We ought to explore that sometime. <laughs> Writing the adventures of Dr. Salar, that would be great. And he also said, where did Kess go after she left Voyager? I think we might have actually done that in an old episode. It might have been to the journey where we explore that just a little bit. It might have been when we rewrote Fury. Okay, okay. So I don't have the exact number or anything on hand, but look that up. I think we actually do address that in the past. And this ties into a little bit of what we're going to talk about today, because it has to do with Kess. And you and I, off mic, were questioning, have we done this before? Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what if Kess had stayed on the show? So no Seven of Nine, just Kess all seven years. And you and I weren't completely sure if we'd already done this, maybe in, as a footnote of a small part of another episode, but we've not done it in depth. It feels like something we have done uh, just because we we did over 190 hours of Voyager with To the Journey. and <laughs> uh-huh. um, But the thing is, I feel like maybe we did something where what if we they didn't get rid of Kess, but Seven still came on board? I think that's a story that we talked about. Now, that might have been what we did. Yes. I think that didn't come to me until you said, until you talked about the topic just now. And so this is all about just Kess with no Seven of Nine. Nothing, nothing weird like like no no extra addition, no swap, no swap out or anything like that. No. It's just boom, cast no seven of nine, and this always fascinates me. I I, I really I like Kess. It, it's funny because we've talked a lot about Kess before, and I think I've put Kess as my least favorite character on Voyager, but that yeah. doesn't mean that I don't like her. Yes, I think that's in fact exactly what you said at the time. Yeah, that's the thing is that whenever somebody like sees a ranking or anything like that, like even when I put TOS at the bottom of my list or something like that, people are just like, how on earth could you do this? You're like, blasphemer, you know, and (laughs) and it's just insane how we react. And I I have to cut in and say, I love the fact that you added in a free Shatner impression while you said that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's that's free. Take it home with you. Uh, Put your lips around it. Chew it. It's fun. It's. (laughs) Yeah, this is this is something that like Kess is kind of like that where like yes, she's at the bottom of my list, but I really enjoy Kess. I really enjoy Kess episodes. I think Jennifer Lean did a uh, fantastic portrayal 
as Kes. Yeah. And I would have loved to have seen her finish the show. I absolutely 100% would have loved to have seen her continue on in any way, shape, or form. And I'm super excited that we're talking about that today. But before we get into that, I do have some network news. We have a brand new partnership with tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. I know I just butchered that, but we're going to have it in the show notes so you don't have to memorize it or anything like that. That's right. Click the link. Make it easy. What it means is, is that you can get really cool, really reasonably priced nerd party merchandise from all of your favorite nerd party shows. I'm telling you, like, we have stuff from every single nerd party show on this site. Uh, I should say podcast, every single nerd party podcast. And uh, you, you want an A24 mug? Boom, you got it. You want a nerd nuptial laptop sleeve? Boom, just go there and get it. You want a punch it t-shirt or sweatshirt? You have access to that because you can pick your color, your size, everything. We got multiple versions of everything. And a few shows actually have multiple logos and multiple artworks associated with it. All you need to do is just go to our show page by going to the nerdparty.com slash punch it. And the latest episode will have the link to it. And uh, it's uh, there's always deals going on right now. Oh, yeah. Sign up for their email list. Sign up for their email list. We are actually doing something at the Nerd Party, even though even if you missed a Black Friday deal or a Cyber Monday deal, we have a special deal going on just for Nerd Party listeners. You can get 25% off if you put in the code HOLIDAYCOOL. We're not putting this on the website. This is just for listeners. Put in the code HOLIDAYCOOL and it will save 25% off of your entire purchase. And... This will end by December 2nd. So get it right now. As soon as you hear this, go and do it and you'll save some money and you'll help out the network. Yeah. And you'll get some cool merch. And it's also a little bit of advertising for us saying, hey, I like this thing. Check this thing out. I love t-shirts for that purpose. It's free advertising and I, I do it all the time. I love to support the things that I do with t-shirts, including the other side project I do, the Zocalo cast, also has a store in Tee Public. I have a couple of those shirts. They're decent quality, guys, so don't think this is a ripoff. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We did our research, and we made sure that we didn't hook up with a company that had crappy quality material or anything like that. Yes, that's very important because there's a lot of companies like this, and the quality varies somewhat. But these guys, they're, they're okay. They do good work. All right. Well, all of that said, and I'm so excited that we have merch now, by the way, we're going to talk about Kess, which I know Philip Gilfus's ears are just so happy right now. Shout out, buddy, to our uh, one of our co-hosts on SETI Alpha 3. He loves Kess. And we're going to talk all about her and what maybe those final four years would have looked like with her. We've never heard of Seven of Nine. She does not exist. So what are we going to do? How is it going to be different? How is it going to look? Does it change the dynamic of the show at all? We're going to explore all of that. Yay, let's go. Okay, so the first thing that popped into my head when thinking about this, because I, like, I really do like to keep it fresh. I like to keep the, uh, the ideas kind of flowing on the show. So I don't give these topics too much thought before we turn on the mics. But with this one, the first thing that popped in my head was, okay, so when she was kind of phasing and morphing and transitioning into another realm, yeah. uh, you know, towards the end of season three, the beginning of season four, we all know the story about how she propelled Voyager forward 
and uh, you know, like uh, went through Borg space and everything like that. Yeah, and then like, she what was it ten thousand light years. Forward? Yeah, it was something crazy like that, and so it was a huge gift. I immediately want to erase that, so that never happens. <laughs> they get through Borg space through other means. Okay, okay. I was wondering which direction you wanted to go in where that happens, and she kind of becomes like a kind of like a Garrett character where she becomes a semi-regular guest star or we keep her on the ship. I would rather keep her on the ship too, just for the record. 100%. So I'm glad we're on the same page with that yeah. one. I would want to keep that for the end and oh, yeah, of the okay. show, of the of the end of the seven years. I don't know how, she, like, and I, I'm not saying we change in, and I'm not saying we erase Endgame. I'm sure plenty of people would want us to, but I think she could do it that way where, like maybe at the, like the last second where they don't know where they're going to go or like they need to turn back to the Delta Quadrant, Kess has, I have a different idea. And so because it was with the Borg in season four, at the beginning of season four, there's not too much would change really because you'd have the same kind of impact. Kess would still save Voyager from the Borg and she, she would? would just propel him. I think so. Yeah, I think at the at the end of Endgame, Maybe she's oh, the reason why in Endgame. she actually, yeah, in Endgame. So Kess would still be the reason why they they get they get saved from the Borg, but in this version they would get home. I and gotcha. That that makes some sense, and we could maybe build up that progression a little more as like we could mm-hmm. see her building her powers more and more to the point where yes, it becomes catastrophic. And at this point, she's going to be a fairly old Okampan woman at seven years old, eight mm-hmm. maybe. Reaching the end of uh, an average lifespan, because we did meet that group of accompans that were well over 20, but let's just say she nine would be a good long life for her. She's getting very close to that point, and her powers have exceeded the capacity of the physical realm, and she goes off into the ether. I like it. I like that a lot, and it's also kind of a nice little twist to end game too. Maybe it looks really hopeless. How's it going to work? Admiral Janeway can't even save the day anymore. Maybe she's dead at this point. Kes can come in and save the day. Ooh, what if, okay, if how we change end game, what if we got rid of Admiral Janeway in end game? <laughs> oh, Kate Mulgrew will be pissed. <laughs> we get rid of, like, there's no time travel. There's no nothing. There's no phasic shielding or anything like that. Uh-huh. But Kess become like Kess becomes the phasic shielding. Kess becomes the secret weapon. I like it. And yeah, where yeah. maybe like what's happening with her starts off as a problem, and then on top of it, there's all these things with the Borg. But then she essentially redeems by helping save Voyager. I like that. And we build that over the course of season seven, so it doesn't come out of nowhere. Yes, please. So it's not just an in-game episode thing where all of a sudden she has magic powers that can help them get through Borg space. No, it's this is something that has been they've been dealing with. Maybe it's tied to her trying to extend her lifespan. You know, like Ooh. maybe Tuvok is helping her open up her powers so that she can extend her power, extend her lifespan at the same time that the doctor is just like, okay, I'm going to use science. Tuvok is going to use mental powers. And then maybe together we can help extend her lifespan. And then while doing that together, something Marvel-esque happens and <laughs> she uh-huh. gets these crazy powers. You were thinking the same thing I was thinking where maybe something like, in the course of these procedures, it's like they break open a dam that lets loose a massive expansion of powers that they can't stop. 
and it starts harming the ship, sort of like it does on the gift. Like there's little ship quakes for a while, but they gradually start getting worse and she can't control it. And it starts to get catastrophic where it could potentially destroy everybody. So then what? Yeah, I, I think that would be a much cooler thing to talk about in Endgame than the Admiral Janeway story. Yeah, as much as I love her, but this makes a little more sense in terms of celebrating Voyager and the Voyager crew in and of itself. So I think how we'd have to do it in order to not piss off people by calling her a DOS Ex Machina and say like, well, why didn't, if she can just propel them all the way home from the Delta Quadrant, why didn't she do it earlier? I think this would not be propelling them forward. I think it would be her utilizing her powers to protect them from the Borg. Mm -hmm. And... And so she wouldn't be propelling them thousands of light years. It would be, I'm allowing you to use the tunnels so that you can get through. So it really yeah. just gives them an edge to do what they want to do. So it's not like, oh, like the Voyager crew is completely inept and so they need a super being to help them. It's everybody working together. Yeah. So it's kind of like how Seven would bring out her Borg modifications every once in a while. <laughs> right, right. Because that wasn't a little bit of deus ex machina right mm -hmm. from the get-go. Anyway, yeah, okay, cool. And that also kind of helps give Voyager an edge through Borg space because they're not going to get flung in season four right. out of right. the heart of Borg territory. So they're going to be dealing with Borg threats left and right. That is one major change that we're going to have to deal with on the show Ooh. unless... Unless, Unless there's another way. I think we do have to find another way. Okay, so that okay, so cool. We're let's create the bookends and then we'll <laughs> fill in the middle. Sounds good. Now, the obvious solution is something like a wormhole or mm -hmm. something of that nature. Like, do we go to that well? Because Voyager did this in season one with like a microscop like the microscopic work wormhole, and they talk with the Romulan guy who was displaced out of time because it cut through time and space. What if they really did find a wormhole, didn't necessarily know how far it went, and took the risk anyway, and it turns out, oh, it was only 10,000 light years, but hey, winning. What if we build off of that, and this is what gets them hip to the idea of utilizing transwarp hubs? Like, what oh. if somehow they, they leech on to a Borg cube, and that Borg cube goes through a hub... Or like oh. goes through a conduit and then then they they escape and they get out and they're just like, holy crap, these exist. We now know how they work better. Um, we got to keep our eyes open for a, a hub. Oh, I like it. I like it. So maybe they're observing Borg cubes doing this and realizing they're traveling you know, thousands of light years in one fell swoop. How can they essentially mask themselves and hitch a ride? So they get so they do that. Like that's the end of Scorpion. They hitch a ride. They go through it and they're like, okay, we just transported outside of Borg space 10,000 light years. Well, sort uh, of. They they're attached or, to a cube more or less, but. Right, right. Yeah, the, like that's what that's what I'm saying. Like they yeah, made yeah. it out of Borg space by doing that, by kind of like yeah. those those little sucker fish that, you know, leech onto the, to the, to the sharks or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, never, the, never mind the fact that they were attached to a Borg cube. Though. What I'm saying is, is they're not completely out of Borg space because Borg space, they, they're traveling all over the place, but they're out of the heart of it like they were in Scorpion. Does oh, that make well, sense? Yeah, okay. yeah, sure. Okay, so that, then that way we can kind of have a little bit of that reset where we're not in immediate, constant, all-the-time danger with Borg cubes, 
they find some way to hide themselves from this one board cube and then they're kind of mm-hmm. they're they're more or less in the clear and then we can move on to folks like the Herosian, the Malon, that stuff. Right. Right. And I think like this kind of maybe it gives a reason as to why they keep encountering the Borg because Janeway is just crazy enough to seek them out. So whenever there is actually <laughs> Borg activity, she's like, maybe we could hitch another ride. You know, like maybe we can find a hub. Oh, man. yeah, the haters are going to love that. Dang it, Janeway, with your crazy woman, just count your blessings. I think this would give a little more credence as to why they encounter the Borg so much and as to uh-huh. why we have so many Borg episodes. It gives a yes. purpose behind it instead of just happenstance. Yeah, because I think the Borg are going to realize what Voyager did and start right. tracking him a little bit. And I think this would... I think we're going to see, like, maybe there's an episode later on where they find out that, like, oh, we can't do that anymore. They understand that we did it. Uh-huh. And so no more hitching any rives, and the only way to do it is if we find a hub. Yeah. I wonder if maybe we ought to do that so soon as Scorpion or shortly thereafter, and that's what gets them thinking about doing, uh, what is it, the transwarp drive? I, I, oh, yeah. Forgive me if that's not the correct term, but when they do it in Timeless... And they slipstream. start work slips. Thank you, slipstream. I just can't think about it today. <laughs> uh, they start working on that technology as an alternative. Sounds good to me. As a, as another route, like maybe they learn some things from the Borg about how that sort of space works. Can they create it on their own? And that can leave them to that. Okay, so there we go. There we have it. So we have the explanation of how they get out in Scorpion. We have the explanation of how they get home in Endgame. So. That's the bookends for Kess and the Borg saga. Yes. How do we define Kess on her own? Does Kess, does she develop a relationship? Does she, does she not? Does it somehow impede Belana and Tom's relationship? You know, does no. she, you know, no? No, I think the Kess and Paris dynamic kind of faded out after the spaghetti fight. Tom's laid off and he's got his eyes set on Belana at this point. Let's let that be. If Kess has a relationship, I think it's got to be with somebody else entirely. It's not Neelix. It's not Tom. It's it's maybe just some one of those names that we've heard many times over, like Ayala or, oh, I don't know, maybe Lieutenant Carey or some <sighs> random ensign. Well, he's dead. You know. <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. I, I don't know if I necessarily even want to work so much on a relationship with her, but professionally. That's fine. I have a feeling she's going to want a whole lot more to do. She's assisting in med bay. That's great. Probably doing some hydroponics on the side, but they kind of drop that after a while. So we need to maybe give her a new thing to explore. And the first thing that comes to mind (laughs) is the human mind. The human mind. Okay. Expound, Expand on that. What if she decided that she wanted to become a de facto ship's counselor? Hmm. Is that a little too Troy-esque? because of her telepathic powers and whatnot. But I could see her being so curious about how the mind works, wanting to explore that. She learns voraciously. She learns everything that she can about it and realizes, hey, she could maybe put this to work a little bit by helping people out through whatever situations they're going through. I, I, don't, I feel I'm, I'm resistant to it. 
Okay. And I don't know why. I don't. I don't <clears> know what because I feel like maybe you're right. The Troy thing is a little too similar because she's developing her mental powers at the at the right. same time she becomes a counselor. It just. I. Yeah. I, I, if. If Troy didn't exist, I would think it was a great idea. No, but I get it because it is a. It's it's basically like saying Troy Redux. It really is. It's like an amped up Troy, and I think we need to do something a little. I I think it's a great idea, but it's a little too reductive of of Counselor Troy. Mm, okay, is there some way we can twist it, or should we just drop it entirely? Well, I love the idea of giving her something new, like moving beyond sick bay and beyond uh, the hydroponics bay. I think, yeah, I absolutely love that idea of, of giving her something new. I'm just not quite sure what it would be. Let's let's list off a few things okay. and see if they make they make sense. I mean, let's start with the ridiculous security. No. Yeah, it doesn't work. Okay, but even though she like she you know spend more time with Tuvok, no, it just doesn't work. It, 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 yeah. Why would that work? She's never had any interest in that whatsoever. Now, with Seven gone, there's kind of a science void. And there is. Astrometrics? <sighs> what if she starts with... mapping Voyager's journey home and starts really just using her mind and her voracious talent of absorbing knowledge to help maybe plan out alternate routes or something of that nature for Voyager? Okay, so what... Instead of <gasps> making it specific, okay. Go I for have it. an Go idea. Okay, you remember Twisted because that's one of your favorite episodes, I where do. that gelatinous, twisty substance thing that went through Voyager dumped gigaquads of data into the ship's computers. Nobody ever acknowledged this little tidbit at the very end of that story. What if she starts going through that and starts? kind of like gaining some knowledge to help Voyager on its journey home. Now, I have to put in, take a drink, everybody. In the novels, Kirsten Beyer does acknowledge this whole thing, but they never did on the show. What if she starts sifting through that data and getting nuggets out of it? I think that's a good idea. And I think that can be added into what I'm going to say. Oh, okay. Um, So I feel like Astrometrics itself does not really scream Kess. It doesn't lend itself to be like, oh, Kess would totally do that with with Harry Kim. Like, we don't want her to just mm. be a seven of nine replacement. Yeah. I think, what if after the Borg episode in Scorpion, she, what if she became obsessed with getting them home? Like, what if she became kind of the de facto getting home expert? Like, at every turn... <laughs> She was the one who did as much research as possible of, well, I'll look into the data that we got from Twisted and I'll also investigate, you know, this stuff that comes up or like I'll investigate any wormholes. I'll work with Harry in Astrometrics to search for routes to get home. So it's not so much that she built Astrometrics like Seven did, but she utilizes it a great deal so we can see her pop up there constantly. Okay, so she's researching all the time on how to get Voyager home safely and the most efficiently. Not too terribly different from Seven of Nine, but a very different methodology and reasons why. Yes, very different methodology. Hers is rooted in emotion and yeah. sentimentality and care for the crew. And she could even like develop it from like a standpoint of, oh, well, you know, Neelix heard about these people. 
So what if we go and see these individuals because we can get something from them and trade with those people because they have certain things that can help us get home, that kind of business. Yes. One thing you're forgetting, though, is by mid-season three, they'd already gone past the part of space that Neelix knew. This was a, that was a random example. Oh, okay. I, I was just I was just saying it. <laughs> I'm to getting say too it. technical on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But it, you know, no, you're right. It needed to be said. But like something like that, you know, where uh-huh. it's. I think it's still something. I think Neelix still keeps his ear to the ground on on trade and everything like that. Even though he doesn't know much beyond that system, he still knows how to trade. He knows how to negotiate. Sure. Um, but I think uh, like how. Neelix is the morale officer, the unofficially, and how he just kind of became that way. I would love to see Kess kind of become the get home expert. Okay. That works for me if it works for you. I kind of like that where maybe the events of Scorpion really rattled her so much that she just decided, I'm going to do everything I can to get this crew home safely. Because the caretaker just kind of pulled them out of nowhere and... 70 years is too long to try and survive this storm. <laughs> We've got to do it now. And this might be a little, I, I almost said sci-fi. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> this, this, this might, feel free to say, no, that's stupid. Okay. Um, to Because this just popped in my head where what if between seasons four and seven, like halfway in between, like, or maybe one of the many reasons why she became obsessed with getting the crew home is that during the expansion of her abilities, because we've heard her, you know, like with Tuvok, where she started hearing everybody's thoughts and, you know, like she heard Neelix getting a haircut, that kind of thing. Yeah. What if something happened and expanded that where she became incredibly linked with the crew and not to the point where she reads their minds? Because uh-huh. that's too basic. But just like emotionally linked and just kind of concerned. And whenever they lose someone, she freaking loses it. She becomes an emotional basket case and feels physical pain. And so mm. it gives her an even more driving force to make sure that everybody's okay. Because <laughs> it's affecting her personally. Um, yeah. I think that's a logical progression from what we were saying earlier about how her powers are going to keep increasing to the point of crisis. That just seems like a good middle step. And I think we need to do it in a way that doesn't feel like like we mentioned before with just a reductive Troy where she's just like, oh, the crew is feeling um, anxious. <laughs> Pain you know, like we don't despair. Like we don't want to do that. Like we, no. we don't want to do that. No, and you know what that does do, though, is it gives Tuvok even more potential to try and help her block that out to kind of keep her Mm -hmm. sane and stable because she doesn't want to hear all of these thoughts. She doesn't want them to bombard her. And, I mean, privacy issues aside, it's, (laughs) it's just overwhelming to hear all of that. And how can you get anything done? You would just be, uh, you would be a basket case. Yeah, exactly. You would be a basket case. And I feel like we've seen this done a couple of times in science fiction. We've seen it done in fantasy and everything like that. Like Angel tread on this ground with uh, Cordelia where she could uh, she would get visions of people who were going to die and everything like that. And that was very reminiscent of, you know, the legend of the Banshees where women who could predict death, um, uh-huh. they would they would feel it and then scream at the top of their lungs because they would feel the pain. And so people thought banshees were causing death, but in fact, they were actually predicting it. I think that would be interesting episode of Voyager where they're, they're thinking, oh, my God, is Kess causing these deaths? And they find out that it's caused from something else. And Kess is just 
feeling those deaths. Yeah. That kind of thing. This brings up a question. In Scorpion, she's kind of having little premonitions of things like Species 8472 in the Borg. Do we want her to be able to sense danger when a threat comes up? Like the Herosian. Do we want her to say, okay, these guys, they're bad news. Tread carefully. Or no? I want to say no. I want to say that never happened in Scorpion because... If we do that and she stays, the writers would go to it way too often and it would become Troy and then it would become even beyond that. And then they would yeah. become, she'd be, she'd be basically become a tricorder where, <laughs> no, you know, it's a plot no. that she would become a plot device. Okay. No, we're not doing that. Thank you. So that I, settles I, that. I say, I say no to that one. Yeah. Okay. So she never had premonitions at all in Scorpion her mind is not at that point yet maybe later down the road when it's not quite as uh when they can't go to it every single freaking time right right yeah start develop it much later on so yeah when they want to go to it they have limited options as yeah to how many maybe times they can maybe after that proverbial dam breaks loose then you can do that sort of a thing because then you've got i don't know five seven episodes left of se- season seven and it's fine okay we get it we get mm. it yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, no, I don't want them to do that because that's exactly what the writers would do and you know they would. So let's not and say we did. Okay, so that settles that. So professionally, she has a mission. She has mm-hmm. her why. She is motivated. We're, we've got a lot of things for her to do and I think we're utilizing her well. She's got a lot of purpose on the show. Now, I said earlier I didn't really want to explore relationships, but should we go there? Well, okay. I I think it's fine to have the notion that she doesn't have a relationship. I'm totally fine with that. Uh-huh. I think it's okay uh, for her to just be single and focused on career and focused on that. But it's so hard from a television standpoint to leave someone alone and not hook them up with someone. Yeah. I let's okay. So let's let's riff a little bit. Okay. Let's not say a definite direction, like what we're talking about is not how we're going to go necessarily, but let's talk about the most, let's talk about the options on the show. So yeah. we're ending the Neelix relationship that needed to end. Yeah, very much so. So we're moving on from that. We don't want to do Paris because he's going to be with Bellana and we love that relationship. Yeah. There's no seven of nine. Nope. And so Tuvok is married. And well, Yeah, they're so not getting le- involved. So they're not getting involved. So that leaves... Harry and Chicote. What do you think of those options? <laughs> I think Harry is the much better candidate, especially since they would be working together fairly often in astrometrics and teching the tech. Maybe they, I don't know, do they try a relationship? I think if she went with Harry, she would try, they would try it, it would last a little bit, and it would end. I think so too. And I think in a way it would be good growth for Harry in terms of having to let go of the prospect of getting home, which has a weird dichotomy to it, because Kess is at this point severely focused on getting the crew home, but him letting go of Libby mm. is going to be a big deal for him. Even after all this time, he like maybe there's just still a part of him that can't let go. He's still in love with her, and he tries with Kess, but it does fail. So then what? Is he a wreck? I don't know. I, oof, I came up with something just now. What's that? And and I don't I don't know if I even want to say it. Aww. I want you to say no to me, okay? I want you to say no to me. <gasps> I can't promise anything. I want you to say that this is a horrible idea. It's too dark. It's too depressing. 
Okay. I want oh, okay. you to. What I'm about. To, I, I, this is not. This is not where we're going to go. And you're going to say no, Tristan. That's stupid. Um, okay, I'm ready. What if Harry and Cass get together? They uh-huh. hit it off famously. They're just like, boom. Why didn't we see this before? Why didn't this happen before? They fall in love, and her elogium comes to bear. Uh huh. And they get pregnant, and the baby doesn't make it. Ah. Uh-huh. And that's that was her one and only shot uh-huh. at at having a child, as we've found out before that the elogium only happens once. And their relationship does not survive that. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. Where is this coming from? Do you need to see somebody? Like, <laughs> dang, that is dark. Um, this, it, it, it is dark. Dramatically. Yeah. It does make some sense. And emotionally, we are, that is heart wrenching just because one thing I did want to bring up before we wrapped up the show was Elogium. And just, we know that Kess wanted so desperately to be a mother. And I could see those two absolutely devastated by it i i think it gets to the point where like kes just can't be around harry can't look at harry because he just makes her think of, of their the child. child that was lost yeah okay so then between those two though i mean they're devastated personally how mm-hmm. do they deal with this we have to show this i don't think they do deal with it i think it's something Ugh. that they carry with them for the rest of the show Oh, oh God, I hate that part <laughs> because I, I don't know. I, I think there needs to be some sort of resolution. They need to be able to process their grief somehow, even if it is at the cost of their relationship. That's not the problem. It's just they have to be able to, well, they can't be crippled as people. No. It's not, that doesn't mean they forget. It just means they have to find a way to live with it. Okay, I get what you're saying. Okay, I understand now. There needs to be some sort of catharsis. There needs to be some sort of point of healing. Yeah. I don't think it happens right away. I think it happens much later. I think it happens maybe even a season after where they figure out how they can at least work together. Or maybe, uh-huh. I don't know, may, like maybe they do rekindle something. Maybe they get back together, you know, maybe like a year later after a or while. something like that. Yeah, yeah, like let's say she has her elogium around season five. And then towards mm-hmm. the end of the show, they start kind of getting closer again. Like, they really do miss each other. Oh, one thing that I did not bring up, I imagined, did we specify this? That Kess would leave the ethereal plane at the end of Endgame. Are we still going with that? I think, yeah, I think that was implied just by what we okay. outlined was going to happen in that. Yeah. Okay. So so how would this go with with Kim? So they <laughs> get together. They get together. I say in season four, maybe they get together. She has a Logium in season five. It doesn't work out. They're not together in season six. Maybe things are rekindled in season seven. Uh-huh. But then that makes her exit that much more bittersweet. Right. Because he really does have to let her go. Yeah. He has to legit let her go. And he, he oh, like, we man. have a scene where she where he goes, he's like, I feel like I just got you back. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting verklempt at my own idea here. Oh, the fanfic writers are going to love and hate this so much. And I, I really feel so bad for Harry. He's already the whipping boy of the show and we're just whipping mm-hmm. him that much harder. However, we are giving him some personal growth. Yes. 
And we're giving Garrett Wong things to do, and we know that he can act, so let's give him a little bit of a chance to emote for once in a while. So, <laughs> so I mean, as heartbreaking as this is, I am not going to say no. I'm going to say, let's do this. Let's give Voyager a little bit of uh, pulling at the heartstrings and make these characters go through some crap. That's what I want to do. I want to... It's hard, because you, you want your characters to grow and evolve and you want them to go through drama but at the same time you're protective of these characters yes because you love them and you don't want bad things to happen but this is like as you know and as as a lot of my listeners know if you listen to my nerd nuptial show which i host host with my wife my child had a very hard time getting here very much so yeah and this kind of scenario was on my mind like i there was there was a real chance that this could have happened to me, could have happened to us, you right? know, me and my wife. And yeah. so these horrible things pop into your brain. And I'm going to share something with the listeners here, uh, which I haven't told anybody. And my wife would be absolutely fine with me sharing this. Okay. Uh, there was a time when we were, uh, the baby was born and... We were sitting in, like, we were separated. Like, she was in the in the NICU. We were in another room and because we, we couldn't be with her 100% of the time. Right. And so my wife and I are sitting down and we get a call from the upstairs. And they're like, oh, are you in, in the room right now? They're like, yes, we'd like to come. And actually, no, we call them up and say, like, oh, we'd like to see the baby. And they're like, hold on real quick. You can't come up. We'll call you back. Huh. And... And then so we're waiting. We're like, what's going on? We right. get another call and they say like, are you in the room? They're like, yes. Okay, the doctor's going to come down and see you. And they didn't tell us why. They didn't tell oh us my God. what was going on. And so my wife and I are sitting there and we're thinking the worst. We're just like, yeah, she's, how can she's you gone. Not? How can you not? We got so angry with the hospital because they did this to us. Now, obviously yeah. it turned out fine. But we're like, is the baby gone? Is What's our child going on? Yeah, is she in distress? dead? Is she in distress? Is she dead? Is you know? And so, like in that moment, you live a universe of multiple lifetimes where you run through every possible circumstance in your head, where you're just like, "What's it going to be like with this baby no longer in our lives? Is our marriage going to survive?" Yeah. Like I, I love the, I love my spouse more than life itself. We're going to get through this. And then you ask yourselves, "Can we get through this?" If you ever went through this, you're lying to yourself if you didn't ask yourself those questions. And you're just oh, like, yeah. do do we have another child? Do we adopt? Do we swear off children altogether? All of these things happen. Right. And so this event scarred me. And I don't want to do this to a character. But at the same time, this is something that a lot of people have gone through, are going through, yes. will go through. And it doesn't always turn out positive like it did for me like my baby's healthy my baby's happy my baby's here but that is not always the case and sometimes people have to go through that and i think this would be a way to show a type of sci-fi situation that where people who have gone through that kind of trauma can relate and see light at the end of the tunnel on the other side yes yes to watch the characters go through their coping process certainly relatable and if done in a good and proper way can show even people who haven't gone through this sort of situation that it's dark, it's horrible, but the human spirit or the Ocampan spirit, whatever it is, it, mm-hmm. the spirit, like the just the tenacity to keep going 
is strong in all of us. You know, you'll find a way. There's always a way. So showing that on the show is not necessarily a bad thing. I think a lot of people would relate to that. Absolutely. And certainly, I mean, every parent imagines at some point a crisis where what if they did lose their child or children? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it yeah. could happen anytime, anywhere. Freak car accident, natural disaster. How can you not think the worst? It can happen. And so, yeah, it's it's going to pull at a lot of people's heartstrings for sure. Yeah. And what would be kind of interesting is to see maybe Kess and Harry have that discussion. Like you were just talking about, about how they've lived a million lifetimes over the course of what was maybe, I don't know, a few days where the child mm-hmm. ended up not making it, thinking about their future, what was it going to be like, and not having any real answers because they're just so, I would say, numbed in that moment. And right, so right. then you kind of conclude that moment with, we just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and let things unfold. Nothing is definite yet. Now, some people might be thinking that we're drawing parallels from the second to last episode of Enterprise, where mm. there was a, um, a cl- no, I don't, I don't want to say clone baby, but like a, a baby made from genetic material from yeah. Trip into Paul, and that baby did not survive. Now, this is a different situation. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. I, oh, I was very much thinking about it because that moment always stuck with me. Like I loved that that was the final moment of the episode because it ended on hope, you know, like kind of alluding to Spock, you know, uh-huh. coming about, you know, like alluding to maybe Trip and T'Pol would one day get together, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was the perfect ending to Enterprise. Why'd they have to ruin it? <laughs> <laughs> but with our situation, we're talking about two people in a committed relationship who tried to get pregnant, who wanted to get pregnant, who were there from the beginning and the end and who wanted to stay together couldn't but then one day got to back together so like the el- the only similar element is that a child that shared their genetic material did not survive that's it that's the only yeah. similar element we're going in a much deeper much more intimate avenue than enterprise yeah, did i think so and with the way i mean voyager already has tom and balana voyager is very much about relationships and not in a soap opera sense either so we're showing a, a, a good relationship with Tom and Bellana. We're showing, mm-hmm. I, th- I would say, a more difficult relationship with Harry and Kess. But again, relationships come in all shapes and sizes and forms. And you have to show the good times and the bad times. The strongest of couples weather all of it together. They grow together. Mm-hmm. They learn from it together. And even if it does ultimately drive them apart for a little while, I, I do think as an audience, we would be rallying for them to get back. Yes, and it would make us ball our eyes out during the oh, game. Oh hell when yeah! He, when he has to say goodbye. Oh okay, and then Endgame is just the biggest tearjerker ever. And Voyager does get home, but it's a little bittersweet, and uh, it's it's way better than what we saw. So Harry crying at the end of Endgame has nothing to do with them actually getting home. Dang! Who would have thought? well shall we wrap it up there i think that's a that this was an emotional journey for me going through it and i think it was for you too (laughs) this was this was a rough what if well yeah i mean it was for me and i've not even been through what you and your wife went through this i feel like there's some people who will listen to this episode and understand who will empathize what's going on because they went through it and i think there's other people who empathize because 
they're just human beings. You know, we're all yeah. on the journey together, and it just we've got it, empathy. I, I, like I said before, like I hate to do these to characters, but at the same time, it can be cathartic for people who have gone through it or. Mm-hmm. gone through something like that. So I think this is a great place to end. I think we have some great bookends where, you know, there's no seven. Kes stays on board. She becomes the get home expert and she gets into a relationship with Harry. We just talked about how that would go down. She tries to develop her powers. It happens. She gets empathetic towards the crew and she is the reason why they get out of the Borg hub and gets them home. And I think this is, we, we put Kess front and center of the show. We give her a much stronger role in these final seasons as yeah. opposed to a secondary role in the first couple of seasons. So I think this yeah. is a, and we didn't change anything about her personality. No, no. And it really is kind of sad that they really kind of let the character languish a little bit in season three and then ultimately did mm-hmm. write her off the show. I always thought Kess had tons of potential. There were a lot of things they could do with her. I, I do not buy the reasoning as to why they ultimately did write Kess and Jennifer Lean off the show, which was, we just weren't sure what we were going to do with the character after this. B.S. Yeah. yeah. B.S. Yeah, we did it in 45 minutes, and it, we were doing it live to tape. These were just us spitballing <laughs> ideas, and we... I think we got some good stuff out of it. So, um, and we're not even, we, we don't even operate in writer's rooms. It's not like we're experts at this. We do this for fun. This is the home version and we could do it. <laughs> so come on guys, come on. All right. All right. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Andrew, for writing in. Please everybody else write in, let us know what you think of these what if episodes. And if yeah. you want us to keep doing more, how you can let us know is by going to the nerdparty.com slash contact, select punch it from the drop down menu, fill out the form and it will send us an email. Yes, and if you have suggestions for what-ifs or tying up loose ends that you want to throw our way, by all means, let us know. We just might take you up on that offer, and we'll give you a shout-out, just like we did to Andrew, on the show. And you can find us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just by going to thenerdparty.com. And uh, also, as we talked about at the top of the show, please get some merchandise. Use yeah. that code, Holiday Cool. Put in Holiday Cool, all one word, into the code and get 25% off. The link will be in the show notes. You can find that link by going to thenerdparty.com slash punch it. Well, Shar, this was a fantastic episode. This was a lot of fun to talk to you about. This was fun. And next week, whatever we talk about, We're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.